So welcome to On Sight. Uh, my guest today is a gentleman who is originally from Birmingham, Alabama. So if you hear a slight southern accent, um, I believe that's where it's from. Um, although he's been influenced by the West Coast. Scott Cutter is one of the top real estate experts in a place that is near and dear to my heart, a place I visited and a place I love to go on vacation, uh, Costa Rica, one of my favorite places in the world. Uh, the people are amazing. The weather is great. The food is amazing. It's, it's kind of like when you imagine what paradise is like, I think, of Costa Rica. Uh, it's one of my favorite places. And Scott Cutter, my guest today, came to Costa Rica in 1997. He graduated from the University of Colorado in Boulder, which is also near and dear to my heart because my daughter goes there. And then we'll talk about how Scott found his way to Costa Rica. Um, I'm very interested to hear a lot more about homes in Costa Rica. The market there is changing uh, pretty rapidly and uh, looking forward to understanding a little bit about what your money buys you and and what life is like in Costa Rica and what luxury real estate means to Costa Ricans and international people. So Scott formed two Costa Rica real estate with his brother, Todd. They're both the owners and run the company and have built that company into the preeminent brokerage in Costa Rica. So Scott, welcome to OnSite. Thanks for joining me. I'm very curious to hear. I've got a lot of questions for you today and uh, really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Well, thanks, Sean, for the warm intro. It's uh, hard for a Southern boy from Alabama to control my accent, especially when I got to compete with your South African charm. But uh, I'm going to keep that redneck in check here and uh, honored to be a part of this and honored to be talking a little bit about a place that uh, started as an adventure uh, when I was a young man and has become an integral part of my life. Uh, I became a Costa Rican citizen a couple of years ago. And this is a place that is not only where I do business, but it's a place that is an enormous part of who I've become and my family. So I'm honored to be sharing it with you and anybody out here listening. Awesome. So when you went to, I want to talk a little bit about Colorado because my daughter is there. I love another place that is really awesome, beautiful, natural beauty. People are great. It's very chill. What you were studying in college, something not real estate related, I believe, and um, kind of how did you segue from, you know, college into this career? That's a great question. Well, as you said, Boulder is a place in Colorado and in, in general is a place that's very near and dear to my heart as well. I have, I've always had a really strong connection to the outdoors. I, I feel better. I feel healthier. I feel a sense of calm and a sense of purpose and uh, I feel big and small all at the same time when I'm connected to Mother Nature. So growing up in Alabama, I went out to Colorado because the mountains just kind of moved me the first time I had a chance to experience them. Boulder's a, a magical place in many ways. And my four years out in Colorado, I studied sociology amongst 15 other majors. I was just studying people and studying that lifestyle out there and realized a couple of things became clear to me leaving Alabama and going to Colorado. I've always been someone that when everybody went right, I intrinsically looked left growing up. And, and that kind of continued in my life in Colorado. And the road less traveled has always been a, a thing that, that's called my attention. I've had the good fortune of traveling quite a bit and always seemed to meet people that had the best perspective on life, that had the, the most joy in their faces and in their eyes and stories. When they 
took that alternative lifestyle. And so moving out to Colorado from Alabama was a first step in that, you know, galvanizing my interest in, in connection with mother nature and the outdoors really took place out in Colorado. And, and then Costa Rica grew from that. Um, I didn't come to Costa Rica to start a real estate company. I came to Costa Rica because after graduating college, the idea of starting the desk job in Chicago or in New York or, or in Boston or in Birmingham or in Denver, it wasn't filling me with a sense of inspiration. I knew I could make probably more money faster, but I, I just felt like something else was calling. Part of it was wanting to learn Spanish in a more robust fashion. And the other was being in a place that I'd heard was on the cusp and was really beauty and still raw, but being discovered. And a six-week trip down here over a summer break after college just turned into a 25-year life here. So how does that happen? You go there and <clears throat> you immediately fell in love with it and decided to stay, or then you make plans to move there permanently? Yeah, so after college, I came down here actually with a, one of my college roommates and my younger brother, Todd, who was on his summer break. And we came down on on Todd was down for a, a three month kind of summer vacation with us. My buddy was going to learn Spanish and I was just looking for alternative lifestyles and what, what that might bring to us. When I got to Costa Rica, something just clicked. I, I, I'd been to many places and, and you're a guy that's traveled a lot, Sean. There's a lot of places in the world that you go and you check it off your list. I'm glad I saw that. I'm glad I got that experience. I'm glad I did that. And there's other places Sometimes it's cities, sometimes it's cosmopolitan destinations. Um, but when I got to Costa Rica, something just clicked. I, I immediately went back to the States, got in, uh, picked up a Jeep in Colorado and knew that I was going to spend a long time here. So I, I flew down here, spent some time just exploring the country with my brother and a friend. And then I ended up going back to the States, grabbing my, my Jeep and driving down from Boulder, Colorado to Costa Rica to kind of finish exploring all of Central America. And every time I explored a new part of Costa Rica or spent a little bit more time somewhere, it captured me a little bit more. And uh, it's one of those places that 25 years later, I'm still falling in love with, which is a pretty amazing experience. That's amazing. Good for you. That It sounds like you're living everyone's fantasy because I think everyone in their mind kind of wants to say, all right, I'm, I'm just following my dreams. I'm, I'm packing my car and I'm driving to a place and with all of my belongings and you know, moving and, and you've kind of lived that. And I think I'm going to jump right into where we are right now in the world. I think a year ago, you know, this is kind of the week of the anniversary of the shutdown of, you know, in COVID. I think a year ago, everyone like stopped and kind of had the thought that you had 25 years ago, right? What am I doing with my life? Kind of refocusing their day-to-day -day existence and saying, am I living where I want to live? is the environment I'm in where I want to be. And I, this conversation you kind of have brought up about being outdoors and being connected to nature, I think a lot of people felt that. And a lot of people moved in the last year. And I think a lot of people moved to places like Costa Rica to experience you know, what you experienced 25 years ago. You were like way ahead of the curve. And I'm sure you've seen, now that you're in Costa Rica, I'm sure, I'm sure you've seen some of that influx of people and interest, and uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about what you've seen over the past year, and how what you saw maybe 25 years ago, you're seeing like in, in droves now with a lot of, from a lot of different people. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, there's a, the, the great pivot uh, of a year ago, and has really taken shape. Costa Rica's uh, 
has been a real slow and steady growth place. So it, it, it isn't a real estate market. Like, like when I go to some of these LRE and network with people in Realm and some of these big real estate communities, Sean, you know, one of the things I find is the pace of development, the pace of growth, the pace of everything, the data, the amount of information out there is, is overwhelming in its speed and its complexity. And Costa Rica is a place that has moved slow and steady. And I'll be honest with you, now looking back, I feel like I was ahead of my time and a visionary, but there were any time you have one of these great pivots um, in your life or you make these decisions, there's certainly fear, there's certainly trepidation, there's certainly some second guessing that goes on. And as a real estate professional in Costa Rica now, helping guide people who have spent 20, 30, 40 years working, raising their family, accumulating wealth, galvanizing multinational businesses and corporations, I understand and respect that for those people to make those life pivots, it's even more challenging because there's so much more they're leaving. You know, a college kid with a backpack and debt, it's pretty easy to run away from your future because you're, you're drowning in your present. And so, well, it was interesting for me to run down to Costa Rica. I wasn't leaving much on the table. And so we really respect as a real estate firm and spend a lot of our time with our clients, coaching them on what it means to come and live a different lifestyle. The, the bricks and mortar, the bedroom, the house that we'll certainly talk about, hopefully in this call and in future calls, that's the easy part of it. If investors, if people that are looking for a lifestyle change, take the time to understand what it is they're looking for, why, and finding the right area. I'm very much a macro to micro level guide here. And what we're seeing in Costa Rica right now in a really robust fashion, our market here is better than it's been in the 25 years I've been here, is a lot of people coming, not because of speculative real estate, not because they want to get rich, not because they want to make money renting, although many of those things can happen, but their core driving emotional factor is a change in lifestyle and legacy. And that's a pretty, it's a really fun thing for us to be able to manage here because we're part of, for many of our clients, these life-changing investments and their end user clients. So they're right. not looking to get in and get out. And it's a more rewarding sales pitch when it's not about dollars and cents, but about years on your life. It's a fun thing to be a part of. Right. So you, you've, you brought up a lot of things I want to kind of dig a little deeper on. You know, I kind of did the same thing when I left South Africa. I liked your comment about running away from your future or almost running to it. I mean, I put a backpack and I had a couple of hundred dollars and I got a plane and I went to New York, kind of like what you did. You, you just went to Costa Rica. I think, you know, it's very interesting to talk about different segments of the population at different ages and how we respond and, and react. I'm curious if you're seeing younger people come kind of where you and I were 25, 30 years ago, moving to a new place. There's got to be some of that, but also established families, people who are at different stages of their life moving for different reasons. But I first went to Costa Rica. My first trip was about 20 years ago. And I remember getting off the plane and feeling immediately at home, relaxed. And I thought to myself, this is a no-brainer. This is like an incredible place. Why don't more people know about it? And why aren't more people you know, moving there? I went to Tamarindo and it was kind of a one-street, beautiful beach town with only local people. I was back in Costa Rica less than a year ago and it's become like, uh, I think the locals call it Tamagringo because it's become like a little city, you know, that feels very American. 
and it has been kind of populated and um, commercialized. Why has it been so slow to develop and evolve and and what's what slowed it down, which I think is is kind of maybe a good thing for the country. But why has it been so slow to get up to the, the velocity of development and investment and people moving as it might have been? That's a great question and it's somewhat of a complex answer. So we have seen a tremendous amount of growth in Costa Rica over the past 25 years. And there are there's still a lot of diversity. I think probably the biggest misnomer that expats, North Americans, Europeans, foreign investors make is they look at this tiny country. It's smaller than the South Carolina in total size. And we've got 5 million total people here. And they think, okay, I'll just pick a beach town. It's all got to be the same. It's, it's, it's that small. And the reality is there's tremendous diversity here in Costa Rica in terms of climate, in terms of infrastructure, in terms of amenities, lifestyle. And so you really need to think about Costa Rica as a bunch of small little countries because the difference, even though they look on a map like they're 50 miles apart, the difference between a Tamarindo experience, the experience moving north from Tamarindo, where we've seen some of the biggest corporate investments where you see the West and the Four Seasons, JW, Marriott, Dream, some of the big corporate investments. And then the Southern Zone, the Osa Peninsula, Dominical, Mayo Antonio, where I live, it's abysmal. And there's not one place that's better than the other. Now, in response to your question about velocity, Costa Rica is a peaceful, beautiful country. And so what makes it so special? Why'd you feel so great? They abolished their army in 1949 and decided to spend all that money on education and healthcare. And so they created this cradle of wellness for their people. They How amazing 20- is that? Don't we wish every country in the world could do that? I mean, the world would be a better place, that's for sure. Yeah. And it's amazing that a tiny little country became kind of a global leader in that. They, they, they've called it for years the Switzerland of the Americas, and they don't have the kind of the wealth that Switzerland's created, but they, they're proud of that. And so they debunked that, that army. They put all the money to their people, and that's why they're so happy. So having driven down and spent time around Central America, a very common question I get is, hey, what about Panama? What about Nicaragua? What about other Central American countries? And I tell people the only the biggest difference between all of those countries in Costa Rica, there's no Costa Ricans in those countries. And the people here are what will keep you coming back. And it really stems from that 25% of the countries in protected areas, they are a green country. They're moving to be carbon neutral here um, by 2025. They've got an incredibly great healthcare and education program. It's one of the best educated countries in Central America. So that warmth and comfort and stability of their people, their democracy, is really important to the drive. Now, that laid-back Pura Vida, which is what our national slogan is here, Sean, which literally translates to pure life. You know, Pura Vida is like shalom for Israel. It means everything. How was your food? Pura Vida. Good to see you. Pura Vida. Adios. Pura Vida. So Um, you speak Spanish, Pura Vida. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I do. But that also translates to this country wasn't built for tourism. Our laws weren't built for tourism, the development structure. So it's a place that for larger development that you might see in Mexico or in Florida or Hawaii, this country and its bureaucracies weren't built to explode and exploit rapidly. And the country's been evolving. So that's one of the reasons that took so long is it was a challenging place. We don't have robust financing in Costa Rica. It's been a cash market. You know, I've been doing real estate for 24 years. I've done three transactions with an institutional lender. So just for the listeners, that means if you're buying something, you got to pay all cash. 
Yeah. Or using seller financing. We're seeing more financing coming in. Is that the same for, for local people? That's just a general rule of thumb. There's no, no financing. There, that's a great question. There is bank financing here, so I'll clarify myself there. The banks here will loan. The issue is, and, and many Costa Ricans do use that loans. The difference is for my North American and European clientele, it's very expensive here. So, you know, a Costa Rican bank loan is going to have a couple of points of origination fees. You're going to see seven to 10% interest. So my North American clients that are used to locking in a three and a half or a 4% mortgage for 25 years balk at the cost of financing. So most of our clients either use existing assets or refinance at cheaper rates stateside or in Europe to bring the cash down here. But that slowed our growth, Sean. And so in some ways, it's been the in short boom periods, it's frustrating as a realtor because we don't grow as fast and appreciation isn't as rampant. But over a 25-year career and looking at this place as my as my home, it's really been our a huge benefactor or a huge beneficial element for Costa Rica because it's been a very deliberate growth and the country hasn't ruined itself. It's been able to stay true to itself, partly because money doesn't flow so fast that it can recklessly destroy areas. Right. Interesting. Very, very interesting. And what about um, like infrastructure? You know, when I drive in Costa Rica there, it's almost like you have to have a four by four. The rainy season, you'll have a road that's flooded, suddenly becomes a river. You can't get from A to B. Um, There are logistical issues, like just geographically from an infrastructure standpoint that I think still, you know, it feels not third world, but, you know, and that's part of the appeal of it. What are your thoughts on the development of those types of infrastructure things that will affect the country? That's a great question. And so I've gotten used to Central American roads having driven down here. I live on a dirt road still. And so I'm more accustomed than most. But when I first moved here, the roads were were truly a challenge and and were frightened to anybody other than the people that were really used to going into Central American or what would be third world countries. They've made great strides. So Costa Rica's infrastructure um, has improved tremendously over the past 10 years. It's one of the focal points of the country because they now understand that to make that next jump into the future of tourism, of investment, of permanent residency, of digital nomads, of, of, of the future of our country in terms of hosting people permanent or as tourists, they know that they need to make things getting around. So there's really big jobs going on to improve and speed up the ability to drive around the country. That being said, it's still very much an adventure destination. And we have a saying here, Sean, that that I use a lot with my clients, which is, you know, bad road, good people. And (laughs) one of the things that makes this place so unique is it's easy to get to from the States. And there's certainly parts of Costa Rica now where you can pop off the plane, get in your private shuttle, land at the beach in 30 minutes and feel very, very standardized, very much like you'd be in Hawaii or in Florida or, or, or in the Caribbean and some easy to go destination. But there's a, there's a danger. And I think parts of Costa Rica still capture this essence of people like you that have been here can appreciate it, which is people are longing for a sense of authenticity in many of their travels. And I think what Costa Rica still offers is it might be a little bit more difficult to get to some of these beautiful areas but the authenticity of experience when you get there with the food, with the people, with the beauty, with the boutique level of development is so overwhelmingly strong that we're seeing now huge increases in the amount of people that are willing to take that extra step 
to go down that dirt road to take the extra 30 minutes in a car as opposed to going to another 300-room hotel and have that monotonous experience, which is easy and comfortable, but a little bit less authentic. Right. So aren't you worried, you know, with the people come the problems? You know, not the local people, obviously the people coming from the United States, Europe, uh, and other countries to settle there, that authenticity could get lost. Well, you're, it, it is a very great point. Your, your comment about Tamar Gringo is one that, that evidences that no matter what I say, the fact that that name exists is proof that that's a concern. I think that there's, there's two elements of your, of your comment which are worth exploring. One is Will the amount of foreign investment, the amount of foreigners coming to live and vacation here overtake certain areas? And the, the answer is, of course it will. It, it's inevitable. It happens in, in, in a lot of destinations all over the world. And as places get more popular and more and more foreigners come in and buy and start to live, locals will either sell because it's lucrative for them to sell and they'll move out, or they'll sell because they're forced to sell by the cost of living changes. And, and those are real concerns. The interesting thing about Costa Rica, I think, is the areas that are seeing the most amount of kind of gentrification internationally or really changes from a local community to a foreign community didn't have really big local communities. And, and, and I'll use Tamarindo as an example. Tamarindo was a sleepy coastal town and there were some locals there, but it wasn't really a big community of locals. It was discovered as a touristic destination, as a beach destination, and it's grown from that. And so it feels more international now than it did when there was just a few of us there. But there are other coastal areas in Costa Rica that are very much, that were Costa Rican communities, coastal communities, before there were tourism. I live in a place called Mayo Antonio on the central Pacific coast, and this was a, a banana export town. And there were 15,000 locals, you know, living here before the first tourists ever came. And there's still more, more locals than tourists. We lack the polished beachfront setting. We lack the big mega resorts. We have no branded hotels here. We have no branded international restaurants here. And Sounds like some, heaven. Sounds yeah. like heaven. <laughs> Sean, for some people, it's torture because they go, where's the Marriott? Where's the Hilton? Um, where's my recognized brand? And for other people, that's specifically why they're coming here. I do think that in a general sense, there's, a, there's another part of the comment I wanted to get to, which was a very frequent question I get from probably every one of my investors is, how do they treat foreigners that are coming there to live and invest? And I give a pretty direct answer, I think we can say it on the podcast, which is most people that come here are treated like family, like you experienced here. We do get foreigners that come in, they get treated like assholes, and most of them probably deserve to be. Right. Well, um, if you if you I, act like an asshole, you should get treated like an asshole. And I think that's that's exactly the point, Sean. Which is, we bring and some of the foreign investment here brings capital and some international flair to this country. But most people that are investing here come because they feel like they can learn from the gardener, learn from the cooks, learn from the mates on the boats, learn from the surfers in the water about quality of life. And the magic here happens when you see capital coming in, which opens up opportunity for the locals, but you see that capital coming in with an open heart and open mind to adopt some of the wellness and quality of life that these people that by any of our standards live below the poverty line, but are happier than the millionaires that most of us are neighbors with in the United States. And when that fusion happens, that's where the real magical investments take place. Yeah. So I think, I mean, that's a really interesting, interesting point. 
And I think what happens is once prices start to go up, you know, the market narrows, right? The more expensive something is, the fewer there people there are who can afford that one thing. So, you know, and unfortunately, a lot of the people who can afford, and I'll say it, you know, openly, a lot of the people who can afford these expensive uh, homes are assholes because they have a sense of entitlement and expectation that money will buy them what they want and what they need. Um, and that just kind of goes generally with the territory. I mean, that's a that's a broad generalization, but that's been my experience. And so I, I, I guess some of the concern is if once these prices start going up and real estate values increase, it minim- minimizes the amount of market there is. Are you, are you concerned about that? Well, there's two points. One is I, I, I agree with you. And I think a lot of the, the most entitled people do um, can bring some challenges in their personalities. I, I will tell you, we're seeing in some of my wealthiest clientele, I'm seeing personal transformations in Costa Rica being part of that. I, I've seen people that are the, the difficult guy at the country club, the impossible guy at the restaurant, the demanding CEO. And I think part of it's what's happened in the world with COVID. I think part of it is what this country can do. And, and, and I see some of those challenging people really connecting in Costa Rica because they're forced to transform. And it, it's a really neat thing to see take place. In terms of pricing, one of the things that's important to, for us to talk about, Costa Rica is still cheap. Right. So, so let's talk you know, about that. So, so <laughs> what is the average price of a home in Costa Rica? What does that home look like? What are you getting for your money? Well, what, what I'd tell you is this. In almost all of Costa Rica's coastal areas, the top of the market is still under $5 million. And, and when I talk about homes that are 3 to $5 million, those are unicorn sales in Costa Rica. You know, $500,000 to a million five gets you into, in almost all markets, into some stunning three to five bedroom luxury ocean view homes in premier areas. Now, there are pockets inside the, the Papagayo Four Seasons Resort, beachfront on Tamarindo and Flamingo, you know, beachfront in Mayo Antonio, where you see pockets. Santa Teresa is another very hot market where to get into a luxury beachfront estate, you might move into that two and a half to $4 million range. But those are still the absolute anomaly sales in Costa Rica. And the beauty of this place, especially with the way values have gone in the past 12 months in destination real estate, lifestyle real estate in the USA, we've got a lot of investors turning their eye to Costa Rica going, wow, a million and a half dollars gets me the best of the best in almost every marketplace here. Right. So what does $500,000 buy me in Costa Rica? I'll go back to my micro to macro. It depends on where you are. And I think that's an important clarification, which is if you just go online and go, what is 500? I mean, I've got a 60 acre farm with a brand new three bedroom, ultra luxurious, modern home with 180 degree ocean views that you could buy for about $550,000. Now that's in a more rural setting, 30 minutes outside of town. If you put that home in Manuel Antonio and Tamarindo in Santa Teresa, in a prime part of real estate, it'd probably be two and a half million. So there's a, there's a huge spectrum, but you could, for a general listener investor, a half a million dollars will get you an ocean view or partial ocean view home within good proximity of these prime tourist, highly amenitized, easy to move in destinations. And if you are willing to live a little bit more off the grid and be 20 to 30 minutes out, 
then a half a million to 750 will get you multi-acre private large estate properties. Incredible. So let's talk about the grid for a second um, because I want to touch on a couple of things you've said. Um, I love the fact that out of all the countries I've traveled in the world, Costa Rica is far ahead of most, if not all of them, with respect to carbon neutrality and what that means with respect to the homes we live in, how they're heated and cooled and how they're run with this awareness of being you know, kind to nature around you. And then I want to talk about how the tech and, and access to Wi-Fi has changed kind of the ability for people to do what they need in the country uh, and work remotely, something that is definitely on the top of everyone's mind now and, and will be, I think, in a post-COVID world. And then talking about resources, how important access is to water and how that can affect value and so, so that's a lot of lot of things. And then finally, I want to talk a little bit later about zoning and how, you know, there are kind of almost no zoning laws and the, the effects of that and the risks associated with that. Um, so that's a lot of things I've touched on there. If you could yeah, speak this will about be a those three part, a three part podcast series. So I appreciate yeah, exactly. it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to cram a lot in. You're like this wealth of information. And I've got so many questions, but I think we're going to have to do a three-part. But I'd love you to touch on like the, the carbon neutrality, what that means for homes, how tech has changed. You know, Let's talk about those, those things. Let's attack each one of these. So Costa Rica has always been a leader in environmentalism. As I mentioned earlier in the show, about 25% of the total land area of the country is in some kind of national park or protected reserve area. They are acutely aware as a nation that their biggest resource is their natural beauty, and they've been committed for decades um, to protecting it. About 98% of all the energy consumed in Costa Rica in 2020 came from renewable resources. So, so, so like, let's, so what is that? Solar and wind? There's solar to some extent. They're not huge on solar yet. They, there's, there's a lot of individual private solar here, but the grid is mostly you get a lot of wind, you have a lot of geothermal. And then you have a tremendous amount of hydroelectric creation of, uh, of energy here. So those are the three main parts. But it's a country that the last five years has been basically 100% renewable in their energy production. Now, they've made a commitment. Costa Rica is part of a global initiative right now. And they're the smallest country in the initiative and one of the leaders in the initiative to try to be carbon neutral in the next 10 years. They have carbon credits. I've got farms and I have clients that buy farms and you get oxygen credits where the government pays you not to do anything to the farm and you get a tax payback from the government to basically farm trees and not do any kind of development. So there's a a lot of incentives on those fronts and there's a lot of environmental restrictions. We talk about the development and growth here. That's where they're putting a lot of attention right now is to making sure that the race to develop an unlock tourism and financial resources isn't a short-term gain at the expense of what is really the reason everybody's coming here. Because if this becomes Cancun or the Mayan Riviera, guys like you won't come back. Right. So they're Absolutely. aware of that. Now, yeah. in terms of the tech and infrastructure, it's a great question. And the country really needs to be broken into multiple areas. It's important for people to know the Central Valley of Costa Rica, it's where Todd, we have offices up there. There's two and a half million people. And as it's surrounded by kind of a volcanic mountain range, really beautiful. It's 
one of the most tech savvy places in the world. You're talking about, you've got Intel makes their chips there. We have Amazon call centers there. We've got a lot of international companies who use this as a near sourcing place. And the Central Valley offers an amazing climate. It's 65 to 75 degrees year round. You've got incredible healthcare, private and public. You've got all the amenities and lifestyle of a cosmopolitan Latin American city. And in those places, there's obviously all the fiber optic, all of the amenities, all the infrastructure that you could ever dream of having in a place like New York City or Houston or Dallas or Paris. Now, when you break out of that, what they call the Meseta Central, so that central plateau, you move to these coastal areas, which are traditionally rural areas. Now they've been touched by tourism. And one of the really great achievements of Costa Rica in the past couple of years is there's fiber optic up and down the Pacific coast. So I live in a little town in, in Mayo Antonio. When I moved here 25 years ago, I waited six months to get a hardline phone. They're just they're, You couldn't get a phone. And now I've got 100 megs of dedicated fiber to my house. And if I want 500, I could have it. And they go down all these little dirt roads. Not every niche of the country has it yet. But it's rapidly getting there. And the places that don't have the fiber communication yet, there's all kinds of entrepreneurs. So, you know, I've got guys in the mountains of Dominical where since there's fiber on the main coastal highway, they'll buy up 500 megs. And then they're setting up their own micro systems to provide some of these remote homes up in the rainforest on their own 20, 30 acre property. And they're able to have super high speed redundant internet because people are using the fiber nearby and creating up their own micro network. So it's, it's pretty amazing to be in the middle of nowhere in the rainforest, howler monkeys, scarlet macaws, toucans, sloths, everything around you, and you're broadbanding Netflix or doing you know Zoom calls with people from around the world without any problem. Incredible. I mean, absolutely incredible. It sounds like, it sounds like a fantasy. In many ways, it is. I think that's why so many people are coming back here. You had a couple other questions you wanted me to touch on, Sean, but help refresh my aging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to talk about the importance <laughs> of access to water and, and what that means to development and a home. How, how important is that? I mean, obviously, water is you know instrumental in sustainability of life and, and everything else. But how does that play into a development project? Well, that's an incredibly nuanced question, one that, that has become a major issue and control element in Costa Rica, which I think is a good thing, although there's been some growing pains around it. So years ago, and especially in some of the southern areas, you could break Costa Rica into two kind of regions. The northern Pacific area which of Guanacaste, which is a dry forest, Tamarindo, Flamingo, that area, they get a lot less rainfall. That's one of the reasons why you've seen so many resorts there. There's the airport in Liberia, and then that's where you've seen most if not almost all of the big corporate investment, that part of Costa Rica has bigger issues about water scarcity and building the infrastructure in to make sure that there's enough resources for the locals and for these big developments. There's some major projects that have been put into works to ensure that takes place. But that, that part of Costa Rica is about you know larger pipelines and moving water inland out to the coast and controlling the aquifers. And that's matured greatly over the past couple of years. In the southern zone, where we get tremendous amounts of rainfall, there's a lot of water. But historically, when you needed to get permits for a house or for a small project, you could dig your own well. There was a spring over on the right. You tapped into a lot of informal water sources. And it was very common to have a house that you asked where the water come from. They go, it comes from 
the creek over there or comes from the spring underneath. I put a tube in the ground and it shoots out pure crystalline monantial water. And that was how Costa Rica was developed for 20 years. What we've seen in the past couple of years is the countries realized that this is A, an incredibly important resource to protect and B, this is a key ability for the country because the next question you had was about zoning. Water's a way for to them to control growth and ensure it's not done recklessly. Now, and this is an important thing for anybody looking to invest, now part of any due diligence on a home or on a lot of a development is getting water availability, ensuring you have a legal concession water source. Having a well might spew water out of the ground, but you can't get a building permit with a well. It needs to be a duly concessioned well that is then integrated into the master waterworks here so they know that what they're pulling out of their aquifers is sustainable. And so there's been some growing pains on that. It's something that if anybody's sophisticated looking at investing here, a good realtor, a good legal team here, and a good due diligence is going to talk a lot about how much water you need, where that water comes from. And it's a real key point to check into when you're purchasing here. Well, I have a feeling like every single person listening to this podcast is going to be Googling Scott Cutter and, you know, to Costa Rica real estate and your phone's going to be ringing off the hook. Because to me, it, it's it's a paradise, and it's just an incredible opportunity to be in a place that is, you know, the, and you said it, you know, it's the people that make the place, and the Costa Rican people that I've met and experienced just really have extended their themselves into into the country from the sustainability, from the real estate, from respecting the land, from trying to keep it balanced with the environment that remains authentic to to the land, to its belief in health, wellness, healthcare, education, the things that really move the needle when it comes to living in a place that makes you happy, you know, and that spirit that you kind of this this kid from Alabama studied at Colorado and then you kind of went on the six week trip and landed up staying there because you fell in love with it and like those things are still in place. And I think over your 25 years of experience, you've kind of learned these things, you've learned the nuances and, you know, it's, it's really, you're a wealth of information and it's great to hear all of these things. We definitely have to have like a part two and a part three, because there are so many other things that I want to uncover about, you know, about Costa Rica, about, you know, where the country is going so much to learn, but you, you've, you know, you've been really generous with like your information and your time. Great chatting with you, Scott. Was there anything that you kind of want to leave our listeners with, you know, something that a, a takeaway, something that, you know, they, they should think about or consider with respect to the country itself and real estate and, and the luxury market? Well, you know, Sean, I really appreciate the opportunity. It's uh, when we had a chance to speak uh, a couple of weeks ago about your own experience in Costa Rica, it was a real honor for me. And I have, as you're getting a sense of, I have a real passion for this place that I call home that I get to be as a guide for, you know, and I'm a father here. Uh, I've got two daughters I've raised here. I'm seeing the, the core elements of why I fell in love with Costa Rica manifest themselves in my kids. And I think that to anybody out there listening, I think Costa Rica is a beautiful place. It's gorgeous. It's got a great upside. It is a darling of the world. But the reality is I, I tell all of my clients, buy here because you love it for what it is today. Buy here because it will add quality to your life. Buy here because it will add years to your life. Buy here because it's a place to create long-lasting memories. 
that revolve around something else other than a telephone and a, an iPad and uh, a being connected. There's a beauty in the connectivity and disconnectivity that, that, that Mother Nature provides us. And I think Costa Rica is a really great, happy medium. We're, we're honored to help people. I will encourage anybody considering about Costa Rica, don't fall into those common traps of assuming the country's small. Don't just shop for real estate. Shop for your lifestyle and make sure that Costa Rica is the right place for you. Ask all the questions. Then find the right part of Costa Rica that's going to fit the nuanced part of who you are. Don't get sold by a realtor that this is the best place or that's the best place. There is no best place. It's just about finding a guy that's going to help you and your family unlock the right place and the right destination for you. And once you do that, finding the house is easy because it's amazing, it's beautiful, it's a great value, and it's a place that uh, most of my clients never want to leave. Yeah, really really well said. And something that you touched on, kind of that I forgot to mention, is Costa Rica, when you talked about it'll you know extend your lifespan, Costa Rica's in one of those few areas in the world where they've studied the blue zone, where the life expectancy is longer than, you know, people live longer in Costa Rica than almost anywhere else in the world. And we I do. We just celebrated our uh, our oldest living resident just celebrated his 122nd birthday. <laughs> Are uh, you he serious? His, he, got his, he got his COVID test, his second COVID test last week. His name's Chepito, and his family put him in a nursing home when he was 97, and now it's 28 years later, and he's still <laughs> doing karaoke in the nursing home. But it, <laughs> you're right. We have a blue zone, and I think people live here longer. And the irony is, I'll just tell you about that blue zone, Sean. That's in a part of Costa Rica that is still very rural and very rustic. And the reason those people live long is they work a little bit every day out in the sun. They eat healthy. They live simply. They focus their lives around family and fun and enjoying and being connected to the land as opposed to being anything else. And it's a lesson I think probably all of us could take away as we listen to these podcasts on our device to remember to maybe do it in a park somewhere as opposed to locked up in our houses. Exactly. Well said. And and get ready for a visitor because I'm packing my bag soon and uh, and coming for a visit. Um, well, one that's of my, a promise and not a threat. <laughs> one of my favorite places in the world. And listen, that this was great. Thank you so much. Very, very interesting and informative. And we'll definitely have to do uh, uh, part dos of, of this podcast. Um, we should do it from the beach after we catch some waves together. Sounds great. Awesome. Um, well, Scott, listen, congratulations on all your success. And, and by success, I mean, you know, happiness and lifestyle and all of those things that make you happy. So uh, great having you as a guest. Um, I'm sure your phone's going to ring off the hook. I look forward to seeing you in person on the beach. And uh, thank you very much. Pura Vida. Pura Vida. Great place to leave. 